Hey, what's up, folks? This is your boy DJ Ben Amin, and on this episode of Fan Bros Show, we welcome Jason DeMarco, the vice president of Adult Swim and co-creator of Toonami. We also talk about the biggest news in tech, the release of the iPhone 6 and the Apple Watch. And guess what? I'm back. Welcome to the Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans. And welcome, internets, to another episode of Fan Bros, the show where the bros are fans or something to that extent. It's your boy, DJ Ben Amin, a.k.a. the Captain Kirk of the spaceship, the Petey Green of the internets, all kind of other good stuff that I'm not even going to mention here right now because we've got a huge episode to get into you. And this is Fan Bro Show, the voice of the urban geek. And I'm joined in the spaceship tonight by my co-host, Tatiana King-Jones, the Grand Duchess of Tech, also known as the Ahura of the spaceship, also known as the Black Russian, Black Road, and the Stiletto Stunner. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. And also in the spaceship tonight is... Kimsonian Space Ghost producer, King of the Ums. Yes, yes. Master <laughs> of Ums and Ums. I heard. For those of you who listen to Special Delivery, please excuse my ums. <laughs> Me and Chico Leo go at it. Yes, Our yes. brains are on fire. Anyway. Yeah, huge episode of Special Delivery this week. You should have checked it out. The Leftovers ended. Boardwalk Empire is back. You can check all that on fanbros.com where you can find all of our episodes every week, every day. They're right there. But right now, this is a brand new episode. We got all kind of special guests in the building Information you won't hear anywhere else. Nope. But first off, there is some huge news in tech today, boy. Listen, I stayed home all day long just to cover this. Today was the reveal of the iPhone 6, the i, well, Apple Watch, not Apple Watch. Watch, and some more Apple-esque news. But to get right into it, yes, Apple released the iPhone iPhone 6, or actually just explain what it was now. There are now two iPhones coming out. We have the iPhone 6, which is a 4.7 inch screen, and we also have the iPhone 6 Plus, which is the big, fabulous size 5.5 inch screen. Mr. DJ Ben, I mean, he's shaking his head. He's like, I don't like this. Nah, nah, I, I'm sorry. Like, once you start putting that, like, you know, like half tablet phone type thing through the side of your head it just you look like a moron out there yeah yeah i mean and i'm gonna have to start to agree with you because at first i mean on a consumer level like this shit is gonna sell no it's gonna sell gangbusters on a tech person like technical like looking at this level like it's not one not innovative two it's apple really acquiescing to like the public whims of oh i want a bigger phone you know i want an iphone you know basically them trying to compete with samsung's fablet that's what that that what we're calling it phone tablet that's that's the that's the official name for oh really they they really went with that for the most part the industry calls it that so that sounds so bad come on bang get your fablet (laughs) 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 hold on i gotta make a call on my fablet over here yeah no yeah yeah um for the most part, not too much has changed. I mean, obviously, the phones are thinner. They're always going for more. Thinner is better. The thing is, because they have these larger sizes, certain things got moved around on the phone. They've moved the power button to the side. They have a new eyesight camera. Considering the phone is so slim, the camera actually bulges out a little bit. So that that actually concerns me. Um, the phone itself looks reminds me more of the original iPhone because it has curved edges versus like the sharp edges it has now. And, I mean, overall... 
it, you know, it, I, I don't want to say an iterative um, uh, addition to the iPhone line, but, you know, it's, I, the more I think about it, the more I don't like it. I feel like the last few years of iPhones, though, really have just been like. Well, it has been, right. Yeah. It hasn't been anything like hugely revolutionary. And no. for me, this isn't, this is more. More yeah, the same, really. It, it's almost as if they're chasing behind the competitors, but then they, they, they've brought more innovation when it comes on a software side. So, in talking about that, they released um, the Apple Pay system, which is their answer to like the Google Wallets and all that of the of Illuminati. the age. Yeah, that's their Illuminati version. This one is actually a little better. They the way that works is um, the new iPhone six um, has an NFC chip, um, near field communication, and in conjunction with your fingerprint scanner on the iPhone six, you'll be able to actually make contactless payments. So when you go up to a terminal, you at Dwayne Reed. You just hold up the phone to the little terminal. You have your finger on the fingerprint scanner, and boom, payment made. Illuminati uh, on <laughs> trillion, B, the finger scanner? It's not even like, I mean, that's part definitely Illuminati, but it's not even the Illuminati part that bothers me. It's kind of like I was watching a commercial for some fire technology on this other phone the other day, and it's like a little kid holds the phone up, and it copies the phone number off of the, you know, like if you like oh, hold yeah. it. And I'm like, dude, you have a phone in your hand. You're looking at the phone number. You can't <laughs> type it in. It's I mean, like, it, it's just a software to make it so you don't have to keep it, typing in. It's you really, just pick it, it up. my problem is also, it just, it's like the more technology they give you, the less you're working your brain. Yeah. And it's just like, mm-hmm. it's just making people dumber and more like reliant on this technology instead of just using your brain and typing in the number but yeah it's be- it's why I don't don't remember phone numbers anymore basically um and also they released the Apple Watch which curiously was not named the iWatch I still think that was a dumb idea but the Apple Watch it will be coming out as well it's actually coming out early 2015 um they actually have it in three different types. They have two different sizes, a, s- a smaller size for women that they say and a little larger size for men. They have the Apple Watch, the Apple Watch Sport, and the Apple Watch Edition. That's like the 18 karat gold. That's the gold. I like gold. gold. Isn't now, that weird? Uh, ben, I mean, and I agree that we weren't really thrilled about the watch. Like, I won't be running out to buy it by any means, particularly because as a smartwatch, like, I think Moto 360 is doing things a little bit better just in terms of, of look and feel. This, I wasn't like, I was like, oh, okay. I'm still just not sold on the idea of smartwatches in general. It just seems like I don't I don't see the point of it yet. You know, that I just don't, yeah. I don't, th- there's not enough technology or something. There's, it's just missing something. And then my other problem is people are like, oh, it looks good. You know, you got the different straps. And I'm like, yo, yeah, that's good. Is- but, but mad stuff's been doing that. Pebble's been doing that. I can't like, even say that it looks that. good. I think the, I watch Apple Watch, whatever. It's kind of ugly. Like, really? Yeah, I'm not impressed. Like, as a watch, like as a as a computer device or whatever, it looks cool. It's clean. It's mm-hmm. simple. I like the sapphire screen, those yes. scratches. But as like a watch, you know, that I want to wear and look fresh, no. Wow. Yeah, I, no. I, can I ask a question? Like, yeah. okay, between Google Glass and the iWatch, right? Like, so there's this idea of computerizing um accessories yeah. oh, that okay. one wears. Okay. I know. Tatiana's looking at me like I'm crazy. Like where are yes. you going with this? Yeah, where okay. am I going with this? So so what would be the ideal accoutrement to be a, a computer? Like what would be your phone? Okay. <laughs> Honestly, well, yeah, your phone, but, but but to me it's it's going to have to go beyond that where it's not so much as it's a another device that you notice that you're wearing or that you that you consciously are putting on your face, like I'm wearing my Google Glass today. Yeah. It has to be something where it's already integrated in something that you don't think twice about. Like now, brain chip, 
brain chip maybe but with phones you know most people don't think twice about it nowadays they just pick it up that's just part of their body that's part of their person Mm -hmm. when you get an accessory that's more part of your person's versus oh i'm putting on my you know i'm putting on my apple watch today like when it's more seamless then that's when you'll see it like you'll see ben and me jump on it like yo, i'm about it and that's my problem with it it's like what if i want to wear you know my fresh watch today you know i want to wear this watch because i got this watch so let's do it with a suit you know it's like that apple watch well they well that's what they're trying to say they say you can you can get different faces and you can get the different bands and all this other stuff you can change it thing is it's going to be expensive as hell for you to do that yeah. Expensive as hell. Um, just from details, uh, the iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus is going to be available for pre-order on September 12th. That's this Friday. That's payday. And also drops on September 19th. That's next week. So um, I know people are going to be in line for that for sure. Uh, like I mentioned, the iWatch comes out uh, early 2015. And price-wise, the iPhone 6 starts at 199 The iPhone 6 Plus starts at 299 And the iWatch starts, excuse me, Apple Watch starts at three forty nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's going down with Google Glass for me. It's nowhere near as overpriced as Google Glass was, but it's just I'm just not seeing. The I'm gonna use buy. Of it. I'm gonna buy a watch and the glass and like hook them up and see if it explodes <laughs> <laughs> like on my face and my hand, and then I'll be like, ah, oh, running down the street like in flames. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind of a Richard Pryor thing. Too soon. Um. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to read about Tatiana's, you know, all her live tweets from the event, we'll be posting a link on the site on fanbros.com alongside this episode, so you can check out all her tweets and extra extraordinary news. Yes. Yes. And right then, I think that's about it. You know, we got a huge show ahead of us tonight, so we're gonna take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back with some more fanbros. What's up, Internets? This is Chico Leo. You want to follow Fan Bros on SoundCloud? Like us on Facebook? And subscribe on iTunes, Chico. Exactly. Word up. Thanks for saying that, bruh. <laughs> and welcome back, Internets, to this jam-packed episode of Fan Bros Show. It's your boy, DJ Ben Amin, alongside my co-host for the evening, Kim Sonian. Yo, yo. And we have a very special guest in the house tonight. Joining us tonight is Jason DeMarco, the Vice President and Creative Director for On Air at Adult Swim, and he runs Tsunami. I mean, he might as well be the creator, right? Like the big head honcho of everything. The Illuminatus. Yes, I have been (laughs) accused of that before, so yeah. Got those pyramids in your office? That's right. Uh, I, all over the place and owls. I have owls in my office for sure. <laughs> nice, nice. All right, Jason, on Twitter, man, you got a big Twitter following. You're very active on it, and you're known as the Lich King. Did I get that right? <laughs> yes, Lich King DeMarco is my is my Twitter handle. So how much Dungeons & Dragons did you play growing up <laughs> is what I want to know. I play Dungeons & Dragons now, man. Oh, uh, I, played, <laughs> I played a lot of Dungeons & Dragons in high school. I was a, I was a lonely young man who moved a lot. Uh, <laughs> and I actually play with a bunch of co-workers now. Nice. So, so you're up on yeah. the latest editions? I, yes. I, yeah, actually, I could go into as much detail as you want or as little as you want to avoid. <laughs> Not really. I fell apart after the second edition. I was, yeah. like, I was a second edition player. I bought all the books and all that, but that's, yep. that's about as far as I go with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but big ups to that as soon as i saw the lich king i was like yeah that is so epic that's some real 
un, what's that unearth arcana or like monsters manual that's like yeah that's a monsters manual, manual joint yeah, yeah definitely and of, and of course the the lich uh the picture i use is from uh cartoon network show adventure time the main bad guy is the lich so it was both ah. where it's both where i'm from and the stuff i like nice nice little plug right there too i like that <laughs> very well done <laughs> Um, speaking of um, where you're working at, what was the conversation like when Black Jesus was first being pitched? Mm. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that show uh, got talked about for a long time, as you might imagine. But I mean, basically, you know, we've been working with Aaron Magruder, uh, who's the creator of Black Jesus and the creator of Boondocks for years. And he has a really great relationship with uh, the head of Adult Swim, Mike Lazo. And he had actually, uh, most people don't remember this, but we had a failed uh, online short video venture at Turner called Super Deluxe that only lasted about two years. Basically, Turner's attempt to be the next Funny or Die, and it failed. Uh, But out of Super Deluxe, a couple short things that were created got turned into shows like China, Illinois is one. Um, and Black Jesus was another. So it was a series of, of online shorts that Aaron Magruder had developed just out of boredom while he was on down, you know, downtime from the boondocks. And he just basically kept returning to that idea, and he finally just came back to Mike Lazo when it was time to talk about you know, doing his next show, and he said, you know, I want this to be my show. And I think with Aaron Magruder, our whole, per- you know, the way we look at it is if Aaron Magruder wants to do a show – get out of the way and let him do what the hell he wants. And uh, he wrote a bunch of scripts. I think he might have written the entire season before he shot one frame. Then he shot a pilot that was terrific. And from there, it was like so obvious that Slink, who plays Jesus, would have been was perfect and that like it was really well cast. And it was kind of, there really wasn't a choice to make the show. I think everybody knew that, that we wanted to make it. The only real question was, are we really going to call this Black Jesus? <laughs> and you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was the risk that, uh, you know, as a company, I think everybody just decided this show's good enough. You know, we're going to get some flack, of course, from the name alone. But on the other side of that, the name is more, is all the marketing you really need for the show. If you're going to call your show Black Jesus, people are going to talk about it. Most um, definitely. And, you know, in fact, that's the show. It's about Black Jesus. So it's not like it's just an inflammatory name. It's literally what the show's about. So, um, you know, it was not an easy decision, I don't think, for some of the higher-up folks especially because it's a risk to to put out a show, you know, that's going to – you know is going to irritate some people. But, you know, in the end, we felt like the show itself, once people got to see it, they would realize that it's not – about making fun of Jesus or in any way making fun of religion, he actually behaves like Jesus. I mean, not necessarily the exact Jesus that some people want, but like his his. his I don't know values. if in the Bible they had the, the marijuana smoking Jesus. <laughs> they might not have. I think they left that part out. I don't. I don't say it didn't happen. I just say they they left that part out. But I mean, it's as far as his values, like he he teaches good lessons to everybody. He always wants his crew to do better. He doesn't want them to do bad stuff. He wants them to like learn good lessons and be positive and he wants them to help each other. And when they want to do really messed up stuff, he won't help them. He finds another way to like sort of teach them a lesson. Like he kind of behaves like Jesus other than like you said, the, the weed. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so how do you handle the criticism of Black Jesus? And has, um, it, has it been better or less intense than when you were working with the Boondocks? Um, well, you know, in the Boondocks, we had the... We had a few episodes, you know, we had the, the R. Kelly one and the Al Sharpton, you know, <laughs> the BET had, one. Yeah, Ooh. we had the BET one. We had the Al Sharpton one. So, I mean, we had, you know, with Boondocks, honestly, it was the the use of the N word and how much the N word was used in the show. And when that show came out like six years ago, it was not really I mean, not that it's common now, but it was m- less common for a show to use that word as freely as that show did. And that was sort of what we got the most flack about. So I would say we've actually had less um, of an issue with Black Jesus just because even like the Christian Science Monitor and like, the you know, uh, some some key periodicals, you know, put out by religious organizations have said, like, look at the show. It's not he's actually teaching Jesus's lessons. It's just not in the way you would you know, want it to be. It's a reimagining of what if what if Jesus was alive today? He would be poor he would be living somewhere where he would be wanting to help people. And so I just think um, that helped us not be looked at as like that we were making fun of it or tweaking people. Now, of course, you know, the million moms or whatever, there's actually like 20,000 of them, but the million moms wrote a bunch of letters and people before the show came out acted like they were going to be really upset. But since the show's been on, we've luckily most of the feedback, I it's, it's, you know, very, I'm very happy about it, but most of the feedback's been positive so i would say less than boondocks wow yeah i think i can understand that because i think like you said six years ago the the tv landscape was so different and now there's like so much trifling (laughs) i mean not to say but there's so many trifling black people on air right now that it's like when you have black jesus you know hey at least it's better than you know real hip-hop or real love or whatever you know the case may be yeah and i also think part of it is that adult swim has been around for like almost 13 years now and I think uh, there's a whole group of people who know that what we're going to do, they're going to be offended by, and they say the same old thing every time, and people just don't listen as much, you know what I mean? Um, and, I, and I think, on the, on the other hand, people are getting kind of used to the fact that we're going to do crazy stuff. <laughs> Most definitely. <laughs> yeah. uh, another question, do you think that there's a lack of content featuring people of color? Because it's not appealing to larger demographics or there's just not enough of a push from behind the scenes for it? I mean, I, I can only speak for myself, but I think there isn't enough of a push and, uh, for shows featuring people of color. And, and I think that a lot of that is because advertisers, for the most part, are looking for certain demographics. And it's usually old white people. I mean, that's who spends the most money in the world. That's who has the most money in the world. So to them, it might be more of a business decision what they want to support and what they want to get behind Um, because it's not just about who you can get to watch something. It's also about who wants to advertise in it. You know what I mean? Um, But at the same time, I also think there should be more shows, you know, for people of color, starring people of color, by people of color, but there aren't. And I'm not quite sure what the answer to that is other than obviously there's less opportunity And there's systemic racism in television just like there is everywhere else that makes it harder for opportunities to exist. But, you know, I mean, I can only speak for our network and we have, a, I think, a pretty good balance. I mean, we have we have a decent amount, a number of shows, you know, that are either starring people of color, written by people of color, created by people of color. And, you know, they we pull a decent mix of an audience across all age groups and and 
the entire color spectrum. And, you know, for us, that works. But again, we're a youth network. So we're, we're pitching largely to more open-minded people in general because they're young. You know, our core demographic are 18 to 34s. And they don't have maybe as many hangups as like if we were CBS, you know what I mean? That has to appeal to uh, everyone on planet Earth, you know. So some of that is we get away with the programming we do because our focus is a little more narrow, if that makes sense. Most definitely. Um, I, I got a question about your the, the kind of way you brand Adult Swim. Like ever since the beginning – it's been, you know, the on-air promos have almost been as important as the shows. And uh, I'd like to know, like, you know, this conversation, it's almost like a conversation with the audience. And, and how has, did that happen, like, overnight? Or did that take time? Or how, how did that develop? Well, I, I mean, I think the soul of Adult Swim's on-air is the bumps, right? The, the black and white text cards. Um, that's probably what, what you're mostly referring to. And, and those actually were created by Mike Lazo, the creator of Adult Swim, the person who came up with the idea for Adult Swim. About a year and a half in, he was sort of really just bored with the on-air packaging. And he was trying to figure out a way for us to, like you said, actually have a conversation with viewers. And he's an avid reader. So he was thinking, you know, people never read anymore. And it was sort of a cross between a punishment and uh, wanting a conversation because his point of view was people never read. We should make people read because then they'll have to pay attention if they want to see what we're saying. And then we can say weird stuff and it's super cheap and easy to make so we can update it all the time and keep it really topical. And then we can just tell jokes and we don't even have to talk about the programming because people aren't dumb. We don't need to say Every break doesn't need to tell somebody what they're watching or what they're about to watch. We can just have fun. And that, you know, that led to the creation of these bumps, which, you know, became a signature thing for our entire network and really set the tone for all of the way we promote anything. Um, you know, and that started, that's been going now for about 12 years. Same guy's been working on them the whole time. Wow, he's not tired of it. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, I can't. His name's Mike Cahill. Hey, Cahill. I, I can't. I mean, it's a team of people. He sort of leads the team. Okay, here. okay. Geez. But like, but but he, yeah, he gets tired of it sometimes. He's he gets like tired cha of chained in the basement somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Tell a I joke. Mean, I mean, yeah. Every week, every week he, every week he and his team meet uh, on Monday. They talk about sort of some ideas about bumps they want to write then they meet again on wednesday and they go through stuff and then on friday they probably have written 30 bumps they've made about 30 of them and they strike 10 every week so that they just keep the 20 best and you know part of that is that cahill is just that good that he can do that every single week and have his team do it every week and part of it is that mike lazo who runs adult swim he personally works with them on the bumps every week and he is a very high standard most definitely. I was reading another interview with you, and you were talking about people were asking you about the Illuminati references with the bumps yep. and whatnot, and you kind of just brushed it off like, yeah, whatever, come on, for real. But come on, Jason, how many virgins did you have to sacrifice to get the job? <laughs> I mean, you know, that's honestly, that's one of the weirdest things to me was is being accused of being Illuminati or whatever because it's like – it's I don't even know how to address it because it's so crazy because we literally just sit around and come up with ideas and put them on TV and there's almost no agenda ever. And if there is, it's like, watch this show. It's like, I wish it was that complicated, but it's honestly not. It's like, 
way simpler than people want to believe. It was really bad because I, in the interview I was reading in the comments, somebody was like, no, Google this specific bump. And it was about a dog taking his wig off. Yeah. And so I Googled it and I watched it like five times trying to, you know, hear this like reference. They're like, people are chanting in the background. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, yo, I just watched this dog take his wig off five times for nothing. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, look, some of it I think is that um, the bump guys now, they like to tweak the conspiracy nuts because they think it's funny and ridiculous. And they're just gently sort of having fun. Some of it is that we use we we have a team of artists and they like to use like stuff like owls because it's like hello we're a late night network owls late night that makes sense it also so you know happens that owls have been around for thousands of years as symbols of all kinds of occult nonsense but like to us that doesn't mean oh can't use an owl we don't want people to think we're evil like we know we're not evil and we hope people will figure that out on their own you know so it's sort of like you know at at this point it's hard to even when you see something and we put it on TV, if it's weird, if it's left of center, people seem to want to make something out of it regardless. You know, if you can't immediately digest something you're watching on TV, there's going to be a whole group of people out there who are going to then accuse you of purposefully trying to confuse them or trick them. And it's like, I wish I want to reach out to all of them and give them a hug and be like, <laughs> we're, we're really not. It's literally just us being stupid. That's it. Like, doesn't mean anything doesn't have to it's just fun all right most definitely yeah i i i'd seen you know some of the pyramids and the owls and the bumps and whatnot but i never it's kind of like when everyone was getting on jay-z recently about you know him being a member of the illuminati and he started putting the scrolls and the pyramids in his video and i know people who know jay and they were telling me like he was just doing it you know to because people kept saying that he's illuminati so he's like let me just you know put this imagery out there yeah i mean he knows he can't win so he's gonna have fun with it you know I mean, Jay-Z's Jay-Z. He's a legend, but he's just a man. He's not yeah. part of a global conspiracy. You know what I mean? Seriously doubt it. He makes music. That's it. It doesn't have to be more than that. Yeah. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I think you probably just crushed a lot of conspiracy theorists out there. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm, I'm, sure with that, I'm sure actually I'm getting them all angry and they're going to hit me up. <laughs> what's your Sorry. Twitter again? Yeah, what's your Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, well, Adult Swim is positioned as a cross-section of TV and music, and I, I had no idea, but I knew that you had a label, but I did not know that, I know you worked with Mad Lib, I know you've worked with LP in the past on the bumps, the music and whatnot, but I had no idea that y'all put out the rap music album and yeah. run the jewels. Uh, yeah. Let me just stop right here, dog, and, and thank you. <laughs> from the bottom of my heart um rap music to me was the best album of last year or that two years ago now run yeah. the jewels was the best album of last year i'm eagerly anticipating a new one so just thank you but how did that come about what did what led you to putting out you know i mean i know the bumps had the eclectic music from the beginning but yeah. what made you decide okay we can do a label um well, you know, funnily enough, thank you, by the way. No, um, thank you once again. <laughs> we, um, so I, you know, years ago I was, I, I, I was friends with uh, Danger Mouse and uh, from actually from him doing beats for Toonami. Okay. And I was, you know, in my job, I, a part of what I used to do and what still do is look for beats for, for, for the air, look for music that we want to use in promos. And, and I had struck up a friendship with Danger Mouse and he came to me and, you know, brought the, 
the Danger Doom project to me, and, and we put that out on another label on Epitaph Records. And when that came out, it was a big success. It sold like three hundred thousand copies, which Jesus. you know we yeah we were yeah, shocked for, for, for Danger yeah, and Doom. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, but it did so well, and we were like, well, you know, what? Why would we not try to put it out, out ourselves? Why would we not try to do, you know, have our own label? And we have the infrastructure. We have a television network. Why not just like for fun? put out soundtracks we have all these shows like metalocalypse freaknik you know uh tim and eric we have all these shows that have a strong musical component why not have a label so we just sort of decided to try it out and you know we got really lucky our first year because death clock came out and that went almost gold um wow. and then and then we had a bunch of stuff that nobody bought um like i <laughs> like happens. i put out a witch doctor album and oh uh, no, oh man yeah witch doctor's first album was one of my favorites man damn this this, this was not that SWAT. <laughs> <laughs> this is you're thinking of swat healing ritual which yes. is a classic yes. this is this is called diary of an american witch doctor which i'm actually proud of and was really good but was not as good as swat healing ritual <laughs> okay but so so basically, through that, I did a soundtrack. This is a long story. I'm going to try to keep it short. I did a soundtrack for a movie, the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie film for theaters, right? And I was putting the soundtrack together, and at the last minute, someone dropped out. And we knew Mike because he had done a song for a show we had called Frisky Dingo. So I got in touch with Mike and said, dude, I have a week. Do you have a song? Because I just knew he went in and recorded all the time when he had downtime, and I figured he might have a song. And he said, of course, I got you. He gave me a song, and we just sort of struck up a friendship. So then I had him on Adults from Singles about five years ago, which is another thing I do. I put him on a song with Flying Lotus, and he had such a good time wow. doing, doing a Flying Lotus beat that he came back to me and said, Jay, uh, I want to do a record with William Street. And I said at the time, Mike, you, I can't afford you, man. Like We can't afford to pay you what you're you know, going to be making. And he said, I don't care about money. I just want to do something that nobody else would let me do that's totally crazy. And at the time, he was trying to be Mike Bigga. He was going back to Mike Bigga because yeah. he was saying, he was saying, look, Killer Mike scares white people. I'm never going to break through with the name Killer Mike. Like, that's what I've come to decide. So I actually did a 180 on that with him and was like, here's what I want. I want your version of Death Certificate. Mm. I, you know, I want you to do the political rap that I know you'd be amazing at that, that tells the story of your life and your beliefs. And it needs to be a killer Mike album. And he he was like, that's you know, he told me that Death Certificate's one of his favorite albums, if not his favorite as well. And it's my favorite hip hop album. So, oh, man, I could we could we could do a whole nother podcast and just talk about that album. <laughs> yeah, Ben Ben's in heaven right now because we're always arguing about which Ice Cube album is the best. And he's like, oh, man, Death Certificate, Death Certificate. Yeah. I'm kind of like, I mean, uh, I mean, yeah, it's great. It's great. But it's not America's Most Wanted. But. Yes, it that's is. The one, that's, <laughs> Death Certificate's the one for me because thank it's, you. It's funkier. But um. So I, it, I mean, it is. I mean, Bomb Squad is is awesome too. I have look, uh, America's Most Wanted is a classic. Classic. As well. you're, talk, you're talking about two classics. But, yes, agreed, agreed. But in talking with Mike, I said, you know what, we should get somebody who can really bring that Bomb Squad type, you know, scronk to it and really put something firm behind you. Because I told Mike, like, I don't think you've ever had someone behind you making beats that lived up to what you can do on the mic. 
And I was friends with LP from other music projects I had done. And I knew LP listened to all kinds of rap and wasn't just like a New York rap guy because he had done a Jeezy remix for me. So I knew mm. that he, he might be willing to work with Mike. And so when I suggested it to L, he said, yeah, I love I love his work. Yeah, I mean, why not? I'll do a song or two. Yeah, fuck it. I mean, I'm doing an album, but I can't I can't do a whole album because I'm working on my album, but I can do a song or two. So he flew down. And we put them in a session together, and they basically fell in love, yeah, like schoolgirls within five minutes of yeah. meeting each other. It was crazy. And by the end of that day, Mike came back to me and was like, "We gotta bug him, man. He's got to do the whole album. Like, I'm gonna bug him. You gotta bug him." And we basically, poor L, we basically wore him down and forced him to make the whole album. <laughs> That's... And then them making that album cemented their friendship and then they decided to keep going with Run the Jewels. And just to be clear, we didn't put out Run the Jewels. We we premiered the first Run the Jewels single, but the album was put out by Fool's Gold. Hey, 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 uh, hey, you put out rap music, dog. You are, you know, you put them together. You started the LP Killer Mike collaboration. You are forever, like, you have my eternal gratitude, brother. Like, Well, thank you. Oh, my God, you don't understand. And it's like... And the funniest thing is I've even told LP this because I met him and Mike. We had them on the, our other show, the Combat Jat Show. And I told him, like, back when Company Flow came out, I was so hyped about them. I, You know, I'd heard all the hype. I kept hearing, yo, this album's so incredible. I bought the vinyl, and I hated it. So it was like, pe- <laughs> it took me forever for people to convince me to listen to rap music because of that. And then when I finally listened, I was just like, what uh, you know, like, and for And for me, I, I, I love Co-Flow and uh, L's first solo album fantastic damage is mm-hmm. one of is like a seminal album for me personally so for me it was like two guys who i knew were brilliant and i just hoped that they would get along and not you know find each other annoying and luckily they more than got along they became best friends yeah no it, that's amazing that that you put that together because i know them both now and i know how they're super best friends trat starter dj is my boy like Oh yeah, Track yeah. Star's the man. Yeah, definitely. What up, Track Star? So that that's just amazing. You know, thank you for that. Well, I'm glad you guys liked it. And I mean, they are the sweetest, nicest dudes. And like, I mean, it's just a love fest with all three of us anyway. I mean, they they both like they came to my wedding. Like they are such gracious, decent human beings, and it's been so great to have to see them succeed and to be able to help them succeed. It's like the reason that I, you know, the reason I mess around with music in my career is so that I can see stuff like that happen, you know? That's awesome, man. Um, ben is, like, floating in the studio right now. <laughs> uh, uh, let's jump into your the, the whole anime thing. Like, the yeah. Toonami, um, like, started out as this anime block, and basically I feel like it's responsible for educating this new generation or the pa- basically for the past 10 years – you know, a whole bunch of kids have grown up on anime like heavily because of Toonami, because of the regular dissemination of anime. And I want to know, like now that Netflix and all these other streaming, you know, channels are out there, they're, they have anime that they're showcasing. How does Toonami uh, stand out apart from that? Do you I, see it as like some sort of competition or? Well, you know, that's a good question. I, I have to say, like, it's been it's been interesting to do Toonami. You know, Toonami started in 98, right? A long time ago. It ran for 11 years and was canceled for four and then came back. And now we're in our second year. And it's been really interesting to see 
how different it is being back because just in the time the tsunami was off the air the rise of streaming happened you know like until when we went off the air there was no netflix you know and now you can get netflix hulu crunchyroll i mean there's any number of services by which you can watch literally anime that just aired in Japan and see it five minutes, you know, the next day at the latest with a lot of it. So it's a totally different business now than it was. And for us, I think what we decided was, look, we're not going to be able to compete for the most part on, I mean, space dandy we are, but we kind of got lucky with that. But for the most part, we're not going to be able to bring people stuff that's brand new because if you're a hardcore, you know, otaku, you will be having a subscription to Crunchyroll and you'll be watching whatever the shows are right as they happen. And, you know, we'll, we'll get those people, but they'll, they'll be curious about the dub or they'll want to watch it again on TV in a communal setting. You know, it, we won't get the like surprise factor. So think, I think for us, we just decided Toonami's got to be kind of what it always was in some ways, which is sort of a boutique experience for a viewer where, we're curating shows we actually like and we think are good and not just throwing up what some toy company would want us to put on or what someone pays us to put on, but shows that we actually want to try out because we think they're good, we think they're good fit, and we believe in them. And we package it in a way that feels more personal. Yeah. You know, and we try to give people something new every single week, one little piece of something new besides even the shows. We make music videos, we do game reviews, we do speeches, whatever, every week so that it feels like you you know, you know, have a reason to watch it as Toonami and not just go stream the five, the two shows you like out of the whole block. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys really win with the packaging because, you know, anime has always been... Nobody really packages anime in an American way, you know what I mean? Or like in a way that is kind of exciting and I, 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 that definitely stands out. And I think it's easier for people who aren't otaku to accept anime when it's packaged in a way that they're used to. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, look, I, you know, uh, at this point, our audiences, I would say, pretty evenly split between, I would say, more casual viewers and otaku. And and then there's a whole subset that are just Toonami fans, which is wonderful to have. But I think that, um, you know, people, sometimes the otaku forget that uh, television is a mass media device and you're not, your people are changing the channel and something is coming at them and they don't always, they're not always looking for it. Like you literally can show someone something new that they've never seen and they'll be surprised by it because it's not the web. They haven't gone there to look for a specific thing. They just turned on adult swim or maybe they were flipping the channels and then, Oh, what's this? And so you have an opportunity to capture people who aren't familiar with something in a way that even the net doesn't really do. And I think what we try to do with that packaging is maximize that opportunity by making something as attractive to an American viewer as possible. Um, and luckily, uh, people seem to like that approach, you know, except for some angry otaku. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's kind of surprising that with all the success that Adult Swim doesn't have a standalone channel. Uh, is there any chance of that happening? You know, that... That kind of question comes up all the time, um, sort of around the halls, and I never, I'm not high enough up the ladder to really know if it'll ever happen. I think there's all kinds of reasons for it to happen, and then there's a whole bunch of reasons that it wouldn't happen. But I think ultimately it's all going to be decided by some accounting 
type one, stuff. One, you of, know? one of those real Illuminati guys in the background. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The actual <laughs> Illuminati. <laughs> uh-huh. All right. Well, if you could change one thing about Adult Swim right now, what would it be? Um. Oh, man, that's a good question. Wow. Uh, I was not prepared for that. Uh, I mean, I love my job. I love Adult Swim. So I think we're doing really well. I think if we, if I could change anything, I would say I would love for us to have as much money as our competitors do to play with. You know, uh, Time Warner is a, is a huge company, but Turner is not as as huge. And you know, if you look at, for example, Fox and FXX, and I mean, they did a, a Simpsons thing, and they spent a basically half a billion dollars to put the Simpsons on TV and have it run for 24 hours and do these amazing commercials that aired everywhere on earth. And, you know, Adult Swim is a smaller, quicker operation and we can't afford to market like that. And I just think it would be really cool if I could put Black Jesus, you know, on the Goodyear blimp. You know what I mean? Like just, I would love that, that amount of, of, of room to play. So that's the only thing. Well, Jason, here at Fanbro Show, we can feel your pain because I wish we had as much money as the competitors <laughs> do, too, so that we could actually do some real promos and whatnot. <laughs> but, yeah, let, let's take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back to wrap up this interview with Jason. My name is Jamie Brodnax from Black Girl Nerds, and when I'm not tweeting about nerd culture, I am listening to the Fanbros Show. And welcome back, Internets. I hope you've been enjoying this interview with Jason DeMarco. It's pretty informative, all kind of stuff. I know you've been hearing me geek out. Tatiana King has just joined us in the spaceship. Yeah, I just floated in, you know. Yeah. And my capsule just dock with the ship, and I'm here. What's going on? Chilling. I made it. You got some questions for Jason, I think. I do. Jason, I am so excited because I get to talk anime to you. And, like, oh. you're one of the few people where I can just go on and on about it, and you'll know what I'm talking about. I'm ready. You're I'm ready. ready. Yeah. So one thing I wanted to say, and, and actually thank you for being a part of the fact, is that Toonami, at least for me, it also served like a tool discovery. I was always an anime fan, like, even, like, back in the day, like, in the 90s when they had, like, Sailor Moon on, on I don't know, Channel 11 in New York. Yep, yep. But then you, Toonami came about, and like you said, it came out around 98. It came about and, like, really brought on brand new anime that I, I would never have access to otherwise nowadays a little bit easier but back in the day no like I remember watching things like Blue Sub 6, Escaflone, um, Paranoia Agent that was a huge one for me in fact I named my dog after that dog but nice. <laughs> <laughs> so um you know w- what is your take on that like do you view Toonami as more of a tool of discovery do you just see it uh-huh like just as just a way for people to watch anime like do you see it you know any particular way that you you view yeah we i mean we have had a clear mission from day one that we wanted to be a discovery tool for sure that's a that's a main driving force is that we wanted to i mean we want to you know we we build tsunami on a on a bed of the most popular broadest reaching anime because we want it to succeed it's got to battle in the in the television landscape against every other thing that's on TV at any given moment. So, mm. you know, Toonami can never be too niche. It has to kind of appeal to as many people as possible. But even within that, we try to mix it up. We try to show some stuff that might be overlooked, that might be more experimental, that might be different. And and But, I mean, the goal is definitely to expose these shows to the broadest possible audience, to get people excited about 
you know, action cartoons in general, to be clear, but also anime has obviously been the main sort of thing we've shown. And, and you know, that's been the mission from day one. So, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, going into that, like, how does that selection process work? Like, do you guys get in a room and go, okay, you know, no one's ever heard of Cowboy Bebop, you know, let's put it in there. Or, or like, do you guys go, let's find the wildest, most colorful anime we could think of, you know, a la Space Dandy, and, and put it on there and see what happens. Like, how do it- you guys choose? It's different with every show, to be honest, because a lot of it is relationship-based. It's who we know at certain companies coming to us and, and advocating for a certain show and saying, you need to check this out. We're excited about this. And then we'll look at it and, you know, then there's another layer of like, okay, well, how much money does the show cost and how much money do we have and how many episodes does it have? And it's like every single show is a math equation comprised of a whole bunch of different elements Mm -hmm. and usually the main thing we all have to feel us and the programming department at Adult Swim we all have to agree we really like this show Mm -hmm. if we don't that's where it has to start but then the price is the price right can we afford this show um you know are they is it going to need a lot of edits is it does it fit into Toonami is this is this show does this show feel like a Toonami show Mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of factors but it starts and ends with do we like it personally? And the answer to that, any show that's been on Toonami, whether other people like it or not, we have always liked what we've put up. Mm, definitely, so. definitely. All right. Well, it's now time, as most of our fans listening know, it's time for the BRAP segment, our rapid-fire questions. We got Jason in the hot seat. Jason, are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Numero uno, Black Panther or Power Man? Power Man. Falcon or War Machine? Oh, Falcon for sure. <laughs> I like that. I ain't about no War Machine. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Why you say it like that? Like you said it with a little bit of vitriol in your voice. Well, I, don't, What's going I don't know. I don't know. It's War Machine's more of a company man to me. I don't know. He's just oh, all, he's a suit. Yeah. He's nothing yeah. but a suit in a, yeah. in a in a metal can. I got I mean, it. Yeah. All right. That, that's the first time that's been answered like that, but I like that. Uh, Magneto or Professor X? Uh, Magneto. Nice. For sure. No half measures. <laughs> Word. <laughs> um, Martin or The Cosby Show? Oh, Cosby for me. I, I mean, I could still watch The Cosby Show all the time, although I do love Martin. Most definitely. Nino Brown or Scarface? Scarface, for sure. I think that I think you're, you're like the first or the second Scarface answer on there. Yeah, yeah, second? Okay, okay, nice. I mean, just no choice to me. But. Wow. All right. <laughs> Okay, here's the controversial one. Star Trek or Star Wars? Uh, well, for me, it's got to be Star Wars. I do love Star Trek, but uh, Star Wars has been my, my thing since I was four years old. I was so close. That's because you're a winner, Jason. That's why. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. He doesn't believe in him. Uh, what is it? Eurocentric imperialist. Oh, here we go again. Uh, colonization again. tropes. That's why. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Wire or Breaking Bad? The Wire, for sure. I love Breaking Bad, but The Wire, definitely. You're just killing this right now. That's my that's my favorite show of all time. It's the best show. Nice. What's your favorite film? Uh, Apocalypse Now. Ooh. Yep. That's heavy, Ooh, man. That, that, that's a first on here, too. Yeah, man. I love it. That's Could a great Many, 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 many times. I'm sure you've seen the documentary on it then. Oh, yeah. Hearts of Darkness? Yeah. Almost, almost as good as the movie. Man, for Amazing. real. I watched yeah. that in film school. I was like, this is so awesome. Yep. <laughs> yep. 
right. What's your favorite comic book or book? Uh, my favorite comic book, you know, I mean, I'd have to say Neil Gaiman's Sandman. I mean, from mm. just in terms of of all time, you know, that's the one that I still own all the original. You know, I have I have all of them. Um, and then favorite book, uh, you know, I don't think I have a favorite book. I'm a really avid reader. I read probably a book every two weeks on average, um, but I don't have one book that I read over and over and over. Other than like, you know, I've read Lord of the Rings a bunch of times. Nice. So I got my geek cred straight. Hey, there you go. <laughs> Favorite TV show? Uh, well, I mean, The Wire for sure. Uh, Twin Peaks, um, Twilight Zone. Those are my, mm. those are the three I always go back to. OG, Twilight Zone. Yeah, I was oh, say yeah. the classic yeah. joint. Yeah, oh, yeah, of course, of course. And then Twin Peaks, I just rewatched all the Twin Peaks and the Blu-rays came out. So Nice. Yeah. All right. What's your favorite Wesley Snipes film? Blade, baby. Ah, so you are you so actually? You know what? Whoa, whoa, let me revise that. Blade two. <laughs> Blade, yeah, Blade two, the yeah, best one. Blade two. Yes. Blade two. So I know you're excited about Wesley. Uh, excuse me, uh, him reprising his role. Oh well, after Blade three, I don't know how. I don't know. About <laughs> but I, I want Wesley to come back. I believe in Wesley, man. I saw Passenger fifty seven in the theater. Ooh. I'm ready. You did. You paid yeah. money. Oh yeah, I did. Are you die, die hard on a plane with Wesley? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Yeah. Um, when you come with us to New York Comic Con, because you're coming with us, <laughs> who would you cosplay as? Oh man, that's a good question. I'm a giant, six foot three, like 280 pound human, so it would probably be somebody really big but not really muscular so that's a tough one Gandalf? if you saw me you would never say that uh, that's like i'd be the dumpiest most sort of soft football player version of Gandalf. Uh, i mean i don't know i've done jason Voorhees a bunch because i am oh. I'm named jason and i have the i have about the stature of jason like you could i've done that for halloween a bunch of times and it's pretty convincing so, oh, all right. Yeah. If you could Probably. have last one, if you could have any one superpower, what would it be? Uh, I've thought about this one a bunch. <laughs> and, you know, I used to think if I could, if I had the power to move things with my mind, because nobody would know what I was doing. But if somebody pissed me off, I could just knock them off, the, <laughs> knock them off the side of a cliff. Nobody would know. Damn. <laughs> yeah. You, like, you like the evil throttle. dude in, um, what, what was the movie uh, from last year? The Fantastic Four director is now doing oh, Chronicle. Chronicle. Yeah, yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah. you're like that guy. You're like, you get the power but, and you're like. Yeah. But, but as I've gotten older and less angry, I've decided flying is the best because it's more positive and I can still get away from people. And, you know, I mean, you said push people off a cliff that like escalated really quickly. <laughs> well, I was, you know, really what I would probably do is just move a dude over in traffic or something. But you know. I think that'd be bad enough. For <laughs> you mean like do do a little telekinesis to like scare people a little bit but not really yeah, hurt them just, so much just, just yeah like, just make papers fly up in somebody's face yeah. like shut up shut up get out of my office you know <laughs> slam the serious. door on them yeah <laughs> just nothing serious but enough to get people out of my way nice <laughs> could you imagine him pushing people out of his office like true blood you know, <laughs> i rescind your invitation <laughs> All right, well, that is the end of the BRAP segment, and that's the end of the interview. Jason, thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Hey, do you have anyone you want to shout out, let the people know where they can find you at? 
Well, you can find me on Twitter at ClarkNova1 or look up Lich King DeMarco. Other than that, I want to shout out Killer Mike and LP because they remain inspirations to me, and I got props for hooking them up, but really it's about their talent. Hell yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you put them together, but you know, it was like bringing peanut butter and chocolate together. It was like somebody had to do it. <laughs> that's right, that's right. I, you can call me the Earl of Sandwich. <laughs> there we that's go. Your, that's, your, that's your nickname, you got it. Yeah. All right. All right, well, once again, thank you for joining us, Jason. And we're going to take a quick break right here, and we'll be right back with more Fan Bros. Don't forget to follow us on SoundCloud, to like us on Facebook, and subscribe on iTunes. But what are they subscribing to? To Fan Bros. Awesome. Perfect. And welcome back, Internets. I know this has been such an amazing episode of Fan Bros Show. We had... Jason DeMarco, great interview. Thank you for coming on the show, Jason. And, you know, we're wrapping this episode up right now. Normally, we do our news, our tech news, but we started the show with that. You know, I always do my comics. I cop. Not much time this week, but I have to take a quick moment to shout out a comic I finished reading. A lot of people have been tweeting me about it. name of the comic is Genius. It's written by Adam Freeman and Mark Bernadine with art by Afua Richardson. Uh, we're all going to have them on the show soon. The comic just finished its five-issue run. It's a limited series. I implore, that's right, I said implore all of you out there to go and read Genius. Amazing comic book. It's about a young girl born in, uh, I guess, South Central, Los Angeles, Compton, wherever. And it's basically the, the premise of the book is what if one of the great minds of war, like a Hannibal or Genghis Khan or somebody was born in the hood in current present day. And so it's a book about this young girl named Destiny, who is this great military mind, and she starts a revolution, basically. And when I first read the first few issues, I tweeted Adam and Afu, and I was like, this is like a spook who sat by the door, but retold. But when you really read it, it gets even deeper than that. It's got a lot going on. It's only five issues. The art by Afu is crazy. Got a kind of an anime slant to it. The art actually took me a second to get into, but by the second issue, I was loving it. And just the whole complete story of five issues is amazing thank you to everyone who hit me on twitter at dj ben i mean and told me about genius because it's an amazing book we're gonna have them on the show for an interview but i just wanted to shout that out real quick and let everyone know out there go check it out five issues just finished you can still find all of them in your comic store check it genius very dope and speaking of comics, next month, only a month away now, is yes. New York City Comic Con. I'm so excited. Yes, we are all so excited. Can you hear it in our voice? You don't seem that excited. No, I'm super hyped, folks. And we need group cosplay ideas. We're still trying to figure out what we're going to do. My army men was shot down. Vetoed. Vetoed. That's not happening. It doesn't like the guilty remnants. Uh, they, they took a bad one on the last episode either, so I don't know if we can be guilty remnants. We could be burnt guilty remnants. <laughs> 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 charred up white sheets so fan bros out there fans of the show we need your help we need group cosplay ideas for the fan bros what can me Kimsonian, tatiana illyc maya we're we're a pretty large we're, group we're tie the robot tie the robot we're we're gonna be pretty solid up in there so we need like a six and person. we're all going to be hanging out at Kari's table. <laughs> <laughs> remember that. Shout out Kari, Kari Randall. remember that, man. Yeah, you know, new issue of Tech Jackers in wine. stores. I was looking for us in there. I didn't see it yet, Kari. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I know that was issue three, so. I, I told know. him if he can't draw us, we will accept loosely based characters No, no, on no, our no, no, no. <laughs> Kari's an excellent artist. He, he, he can make no, that happen. No, like if he's not allowed to. I ah. said, oh, well, what about? 
He'll make it happen. Good. You know, he's a rebel, a renegade. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, New York Comic Con. Hit us up. Hit me at Twitter, at DJ Ben Amin. Hit Tatiana King on Twitter. Give us your ideas. Let us know what we should be dressing up as. As always, we're always looking for more art at Fan Bros. You know, for mm-hmm. art, we're looking for writers, for editorials, reviews, top 10 list, anything. Want to shout out my boy Mike Jones. He'll be coming with some more video for us real soon. But if you want to contribute, if you want to help out the mission of the Fan Bros, hit us up. Contact at fanbros.com. You know, we're taking submissions all the time. If you have any ideas for what we should be doing on the show, what you like, what you don't like, I'd rather you just hit me on Twitter for that. You know, just hit me at DJ Ben. I mean, be like, yo, this your show sucks, B, because then I'll curse you out. But nah, other than that, hit us up at contact at fanbros.com. We're always looking for more submissions. We love all the fan art we've received so far. We're always looking for more. We need Chico Leo as the Wookiee of Brooklyn. Classic. Yeah, most classic. Please do that. Please do that. Hook it up. Chest hair and everything. Yeah. We'll put it on fanbros.com where you can also find Fanbros Shop and get yourself a throw pillow, yes. uh, T-shirt, sweatshirt. You know, we're working on getting them body pillows I to you. I vote nay. Nah, nah, body pillows, baby. <laughs> I, I want people to sleep with Ben I mean. Oh! <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> Word, but before we get out of here, before Kim Sodian jumps out of the spaceship, <laughs> you know, I got to give a big shout-out to Ty the Robot for hooking this up tonight. He hooked up the interview with Jason tonight. Shout out to Ty. You've been doing amazing work, man. The, yes. You know, the behind the scenes stuff that we can't even talk about on air. You've been yeah. putting in that work. Thank you, brother. Ty's Illuminati. Yeah, yeah. Ty, amazing, man. Yeah, Ty is doing it. Big shout out to My May Rose, who came up with some of the questions, I think, for tonight. And has also been doing amazing work with her quit shots, the mm-hmm. little cartoon doodles you can find at fanbros.com. Daily doodles, all kind of dope stuff. I posted one on my Instagram the other day. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Maya May Rose. Shout out to Maya. Shout out to all our contributors of fanbros.com. Golden Buddha, I got you. I know you've been looking for some ideas. We got you. Anything else before we get out of here? We love the fanbros. We're all about you guys. Word. So support us because, like as we said in the interview earlier, we ain't got the budget to go out and advertise. So tell a friend to tell a friend. Let the people know about fanbros. Hit play on the episode twice. Leave a comment. Subscribe on iTunes. Like us on Facebook. Do all that good stuff. Thank you. God bless and good night. Fan.